Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the WorkLife podcast. This is your host, Agnes. And today, this is a fantastic pleasure to be recording this episode of the Worklife podcast for Zukunft Personal. We're going to be recording this special episode today with Mr. Torben Albrecht, who is the Permanent State Secretary at the Federal Ministry of Labor and Social Affairs in Germany. Good morning, Mr. Albrecht. Good morning, Agnes. Just as a way of introduction, uh, Mr. Albrecht, he has held a number of roles before working now in his current um, role. As of 2011, he was the head of the policy department of the SPD Executive Committee and worked closely with Andrea Nales, who is the Federal Minister of Labor and Social Affairs. And preparing for this interview and reading your bio, I discovered with great interest that between 2003 and 2007, we were both um, deputy members at the European Economic and Social Committee. So I may have crossed you uh, there in the corridors of that institution in Brussels. So once again, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast to discover and talk together about these great initiatives that have been happening in Germany uh, for the past couple of years. And before we go there, may I ask you to tell listeners a little bit about yourself, your role, and maybe your current priorities? Yes, of course. My role as a state secretary here comprises a number of uh, fields of work, actually. Um, my first uh, piece of legislation I did as a state secretary was the introduction of a statutory minimum wage in Germany, covered a lot of labor law issues uh, like uh, regulations on temporary agency work, um, Plus, I'm also um, the HR um, <clears throat> chief of our ministry, so I've got a connection to HR in practice as well. Um, and, of course, the dialogue we will be talking about, Arbeiten 4.0, Work 4.0, about the future of work, are the main responsibilities I have in the ministry. So, thank you very much for this uh, introduction. Uh, very interesting. And I think listeners can already gather that you have a, a really vast experience with the very different aspects of labor market and work and the different trends of demography and digitalization that are shaping the world of work 
in particular in Germany. But before we go to the actual policy solutions and responses, may I ask you to, to share with listeners a little bit what are the current opportunities and challenges that are uh, faced uh, in Germany in, in concerning labor and work and people's participation in employment? Yes, of course. Um, the general labor market situation in Germany is very good. Um, unemployment is at a historical low, and we are creating um, around 300 to 500,000 um, jobs every year. Um, so the general situation is quite good, and the economic outlook is as well. But at the same time, we are seeing that um, Germany is affected by demographic changes, so we are <clears throat> facing an aging workforce. Um, we are also um, seeing that uh, in some areas we might be running short on skilled labor in the future. Um, so um, issues like uh, qualification skills are important already and of course will be more important with changes we are facing with digitization and digitalization of uh, workplaces. That are some of the challenges we are facing at the moment, as well as keeping uh, workers healthy during their working lives to make sure that they um, can reach pension age uh, in work, because, um, as I said, demographic change and skills uh, situation make it necessary for us to look at these kind of things. Thank you. And, and I think coming now to the most exciting part of this uh, conversation, is the reason why we're having this uh, this podcast is because Germany has conducted this extraordinary federation-wide consultation about the future of work. This is not something that I've seen happen in, in other countries. And it started a couple of years ago with the Green Book on Work 4.0. And then you had a number of consultations and workshops that led to a white paper at the end of 2016, and then also a couple of other studies, one, for example, which was about the values uh, attributed to good quality work and jobs. So could you take us back uh, to, to before this started and, and explain the reasons for this initiative and, and how this project came about? Yes, of course. Um, when we, um, my minister and me, came to office, and we were, we had a program, of course, to um, face some of the current challenges on the labor market. But we said from the very beginning, um, with uh, growing digitalization and um, some other trends, also trends in uh, changing values of workers, we should try to start an outlook into the future how the world of work will be changing over the coming years. And um, <clears throat> That was also the reason why we started with a green paper and not with a policy recommendations paper, because we said there is a lot of uncertainty about what is going to happen. And if we want to capture what really is going on at the moment, it will be going on in the future. We should be rather asking questions than giving uh, answers right away. And that's why we started this dialogue process. And it was, a, as you said, um, um, and a dialogue that was very um, wide approach. We had an expert. I had an expert group um, with experts 
from research, but also with experts from companies, both workers' representatives and management representatives, as well um, as different uh, formats also for citizens, not only an online dialogue, but for example, a cinema festival, which we sent to 25 cities in Germany, where every day for a week there was a film and then a panel debate uh, afterwards to cover films that uh, put some questions on the table that were go went beyond the world of work, some um, societal questions, for example, one about a robot in an elderly person's um, home, um, a robot to help uh, communicate with these old people, which, of course, um, started a lot of debate. So we try to take a wide approach looking at things um, involving, of course, <clears throat> social partners, um, employers' association, trade unions, but also um, people from new fields of work like crowd workers, etc., to really find out what is going on in reality to, um, from this knowledge, go into pol policy recommendations, which we did then um, at the end of last year. And then the two key outcomes, if I understand correctly, were the white paper and then also a study on, on the values. Now, before we move to the white paper, I have to say that when I was following this, um, the process, I was quite surprised to find this uh, study on the values. Uh, was that an intended outcome or was this something that just came up uh, as, as, you were, as you were carrying out the process? And what are maybe the, the key findings, just to explain to our listeners what this is exactly? Well, our general understanding of the process was that um, on the one hand side, we should not uh, look uh, only on uh, technical developments um, and take into account some other trends as demographic change, as a changing way of globalization we are facing, but also the values of people in their working lives to get an overall picture that is complete and not only looking on into technical details. Plus, we said we, um, when we are facing the changes, that does not mean that we should be determined by technological change, but rather shape these changes. And that's why we looked into the values um, of workers. That includes uh, self-employed and, um, and normal workers. And uh, the findings were um, not so uh, easy to handle, actually. And I think that is a challenge we are all facing um, also um, <clears throat> when it comes not only to politics, but also inside companies, especially for the HR departments. Because we found out that there's a rather wide range of different values um, that uh, the, the, the workers um, share. Some of them are rather traditionally saying, well, I want to have a good wage in a um, solidarity system of trade unions, whereas others said, well, I'm an independent high performer. I look mainly to myself. And so on a number of issues, um, we could see that there's a whole range of diversity when it comes to values of workers. I think maybe the diversity issue in the future is not so much about um, the outlook of a person with a uh, its uh, gender or its uh, um, ethical background. It's, it's maybe diversity is more about values in, in the future, and that is a challenge in, in companies as well for as for politics. This is very very interesting uh, what you just explained because we find that also more and more when we speak to people managers, one of their key um, challenge is this hyper segmentation 
of the workforce. I think some people refer to this as, as getting a more individualistic society, people expressing much more their individual values or needs or um, ambitions, but it's also about owning up to our differences. And, and let me just ask you a question because you're coming also from a trade union background. And this is a conversation we're having a lot of times about um, this op the optimization of work or this one size fits all large sectoral contracts. Do you think that there's now a tension between this um, sectorial and large legislation that is governing different sectors and the workers within and then what we're finding here this hyper segmentation this growing diversity of of the workforce yes of course this is a challenge and i'm convinced that uh, one size fits all solutions uh, will be more difficult in the future but then again we found also in uh, the study that some overall aims are shared by nearly everybody um, maybe just to explain, I think this kind of study has never been done before. I don't know any example. It was really in-depth interviews, not multiple choice, but qualitative interviews, IT-based, of more than 2, uh, 1,200 people working in Germany. And so we really got a under, deeper understanding of what people think about certain issues. One issue nearly everybody shared was a better work-life balance um, that was needed for them. Um, but then when you looked into the details, you could see that um, one group um, is saying, well, good uh, work-life balance for me means that I <clears throat> finish my work sometime in the afternoon and will not be contacted by my company till next morning when I go back to office. And for another group, um, the, it's quite the opposite. They say, well, I would like to um, <clears throat> go to kindergarten or school in the afternoon, pick up my children, and I don't mind if I work at my computer at home for another two hours in the evening. And the um, challenge is that both of the groups are nearly the same size. And it's not easily explained saying, well, the young workers want the more flexible model and the oldest, the, the traditional model, but that sociodemographic data is not the reason for certain values, um, which makes it a bit complicated to deal with that. Yes, it's... it's um something that we're referring to as the boundary management style is, is really individual styles, how people would like to work. Some would like to really separate their work sphere from their private or family lives, and others are very happy to kind of very fluidly dive in and out throughout the entire day. And that's what makes it so difficult to create work environments or structures or systems around these two groups. Yes, and I think we really have to um, find ways to, to deal with it when it comes, for example, to working time and working place arrangements, uh, also on the company level. And so we are encouraging companies to um, do what we call innovation spaces, where they just try out certain forms, for example, of qualification, of work organization of working time arrangements to find out how they can be put into practice. And we are um, helping um, to transfer this experience to other companies as well as encouraging and uh, supporting 
especially small and medium-sized enterprises, to do this innovation spaces themselves. Because I think one thing I learned in this process was that it's very hard to tell, um, in detail at least, which developments are really likely to come out. And we will have a vast uh, diversity also of companies uh, and how they organize work. So I think we have to be um, experimenting a bit and uh, finding out new ways. That's why we um, are supporting this innovation spaces in companies right now. And what is the overall reaction um, to the to the white paper? What was the feedback uh, did you get? Did you encounter some resistance from certain groups or perhaps you didn't expect it to be um, you know, overwhelmingly positive. How, how, how was the reception of, of the white paper? In general, very positive. But I think that is also due to the fact that we did the dialogue as we did it um, and involved stakeholders uh, from the very beginning. Um, we had an um, optimistic approach towards the changes while at the same time saying, well, we need to shape that and not just follow technological developments. And I think um, this overall approach has been shared by um, both employers, business, um, as well as trade unions in Germany now. And I think that's partly um, also success of our dialogue. Of course, when it comes to details, then there will be conflicts. Uh, the world of work will never be without conflicts, also not in the future. For example, on working time in the white paper, we propose that um, we open up the legislation we have of, of working time regulation in Germany um, for different approaches through collective bargaining agreements because we say um, we, we have to make sure that the health of the workers is protected. We see that self-determination when it comes to working time becomes more important for workers. But of course, there are also flexibility needs companies have um, so we have to find new compromises there and uh, always um, make sure that the health is not endangered. So we said, if we allow more flexibility um, at working time, this can be done when there's a more secure environment, which is done through collective bargaining agreements. And that was very inter interestingly to see the uh, reactions on this, because then the employer said, well, this is not enough. We need uh, more flexible regime for all companies, not only where there's a collective agreement, while the trade union said, well, don't touch the working time regulations at all. And uh, so at some points we have an agreement, but when it comes to details, there will be further debate uh, necessary. But I think uh, it is possible because we have some common ground to start from. What is your take on the French law on the right to disconnect. Is this something that you were considering? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, in Germany, um, in the law, there's already a, well, a right to disconnect because um, there are working times that are in your contract and outside the contracts you are not obliged to work. But of course, in practice, things are different. So I think uh, it is, um, it is good to pick up this topic. Maybe we have to strengthen this in Germany as well, the right to disconnect, but we should do it in a way that it's not preventing workers who want to work more in a more flexible way, but in a self-determined flexible way. Um, we should not prevent that because that would, um, then we would lose out of 
some of the opportunities the new technologies bring us for a more self-determined working life. So I think, yes, there should be a right to disconnect, but um, there should be no obligation to disconnect. There have to be intelligent ways how to deal with that. And because, you know, this is such a VUCA world and changes are, the, the, the rate of change is also increasing. Now you have the white paper, you have a lot of learning and findings from the value study. How is this process going to continue? What is going to be perhaps the next steps or the next priorities? And how can you um, look at policy making agility? Because that's what I find very fascinating when we speak about how the world of work is changing and the world in general. And, and how we can transfer some of that agility, flexibility, maybe also to the policy responses. I know that I'm asking a lot of questions in one, so maybe just going back to the first part. So what, what is going to be the next steps and, and what are maybe the priorities linked to these next steps? As you said, um, becoming more agile is also a task uh, for policymakers. And uh, that is why um, our next steps are as I uh, said, this innovation spaces we want to create and encourage in companies, and we already um, have a lot of applications. There's a website where you can take a look at that, and every larger German company is um, participating in that to really find out and experiment uh, on, on different fields of work organization, etc. Um, so our hope is that through this we have a really um, hands-on experience in the companies and some knowledge we could uh, transfer without um, going into legislation, but rather shaping the world of work through good examples and um, copying by others um, there. Um, at the same time, we see that in the field of um, qualification and making sure that um, workers can keep their jobs or can find new jobs through the, transfer, uh, through the uh, times of change, we um, also have to make sure that uh, qualification in the companies um, is improved uh, up to today's standards, but we also have to think about uh, making um, the employment services um, more preventive because I think in some areas you could see um, the changes uh, will lead to loss of jobs. And on the other hand, jobs will be created in other areas. So why wait until a person is unemployed and then pay unemployment benefits and maybe qualification. Our approach would be rather to qualify people even before they get unemployed. Um, that is another aspect. But we also have to help, especially small and medium-sized companies, with um, the, the, the qualification skills needed, for example, IT skills, which uh, companies maybe cannot train themselves. Um, we have to pool resources there. And uh, so there are a lot of um, aspects where we think we have to um, have to find some mechanisms to help this change to be done because I think if you try to prevent change then um, it will not be good for productivity and competitiveness but at the same time um, 
help that no company and no worker is left behind in this process. And uh, this cannot be done by one large uh, digitalization in the workplace law, but rather by a um, couple of measures that have to go hand in hand in different fields, like qualification, like working time arrangements, like new forms of work organizations, new health and security issues as well. Thank you very much for, for this. And before we go to the last question, we will, of course, put, we'll put the links to all the studies and the white papers on the write-up of this podcast. But if you could maybe uh, share with listeners a website or your uh, Twitter or the Twitter of the uh, ministry, if they would like to find out a little bit more. Well, of course. Um, you can follow me uh, on Twitter. That is uh, Torben Albrecht, uh, T-H-O-R-B-E-N and the last name A-L-B-R-E-C-H-T. I'm on Twitter. I'm twittering there on these issues, um, mainly in German, sometimes in English too. Um, we do have um, the website um, arbeiten40.de for the German listeners as well as um, the innovation spaces on experimentierräume.de. Um, where you will find a lot of information in German, but some key elements like the white paper, etc., in English uh, also. Great. And now when we come to the last question, it's uh, usually always the same type of question that we're asking here on the Work-Life podcast. But if I could ask you, um, Mr. Secretary of State, um, what can other countries learn from Germany? What, what would be your advice to the other ministers of labor or ministries of labor in other countries? Well, I know that a lot of countries started similar processes uh, recently and that international organizations like the OECD with their job strategy and uh, the International Labor Organization are working on this. And um, I find it always very hard to give advice to other countries because they have um, their own circumstances, their own labor markets, their own economic situation. But maybe one thing we learned from the process, look in really what is happening on the company level, on the shop floor level, involving social partners, really try to get not a theoretical but a very practical understanding of the changes going on. That was very helpful for us, and I think that could be also the case in other countries. Absolutely. And, you know, just as um, asking employees involving employees in decision-making and shaping their work environment um, improves employee engagement and loyalty and retention rates. I guess this must be the same also on a macro level and involving citizens, involving companies and trade unions and other stakeholders in, in, a, in a national federal debate can only improve their sense of belonging, their sense of engagement even in the policy processes so um, thank you so much for taking the time and and being with us today i really enjoyed this conversation and i wish you really all the best for the future with the new initiatives and shaping the way to work for germany and and europe in in really in the best possible way yeah thank you very much for this very interesting interview